0: Presenting John Gabriel, the undisputed king of stuff. What is up, podcasts? Is your favorite podcast host on your favorite podcast, the king of stuff? Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks also to American Musical Supply, our sponsor for this week. You'll be hearing more about them later. We're only about a month from the midterm elections, and uh, there's a lot of candidates who people are like, eh, I don't know if they're going to do it. Republicans didn't choose the right one, and uh, everything's tightening up now. Uh, We've seen that here in my own state of Arizona with Blake Masters. He is exciting a lot of, especially younger conservatives, Republicans, people who know what time it is, as expected. That's tightening up. And somebody who's doing something to pitch in and help, Jessica Anderson. She's president of the Sentinel Action Fund and the executive director of Heritage Action for America. And her group just piled a a bunch more money into the Arizona race here, helping Blake Masters. Um, He was down in the polls by quite a bit. Now he's within the margin of error. I think that will continue to tighten up and hopefully he can uh, take over Mark Kelly very soon. But Jessica leads Heritage Action's 2 million grassroots activists and 20,000 sentinels to engage directly with their state and federal lawmakers advocating for public policy solutions, which put American families, businesses, and interests first. So she's going to be talking not only about the Arizona race, but we also get into what are the chances the GOP can take the Senate and make it go red. So we'll talk more about that. I will talk to you more on the other side, of course, about other news going on. And here's Jessica Anderson. Jessica, welcome to this fine podcast. How are you today? I'm great, John. Thanks so much for having me. Good deal. Well, you made this big announcement of um, contributing a million dollars through the Sentinel Fund to uh, help out Blake Masters. Blake Masters, everybody knows, um, I'm getting peppered with questions nationally about this. He's running against incumbent Senator Mark Kelly, who's been in office a whopping two years and has basically just nodded at everything that Joe Biden has done, whether it's on the border, gas prices, you name it. Other than that, he's really been absent here from the local scene. He's never making statements. He's never really doing anything, just hiding from the voters. What do you see... um, what do you see are, as the important issues concerning this race?
1: Yeah, so, John, it's, it's, it's really a shame that Senator Mark Kelly refuses to be on the ground and supporting the fine people of Arizona. He has rubber-stamped the Biden administration and their agenda every step of the way. Um, when you look at his voting record as a senator, he continues to vote against any additional funding or support for Border Patrol agents. He's he's voted against the funding for drug detection equipment. These are real things that Arizona needs to stay safe and secure. I don't have to tell you how bad the crisis on the border is, and the fact that we can't get these tools to border patrol agents to simply do their job and protect communities is abhorrent. And Senator Kelly, unfortunately, is an enabler of this agenda, um, and he's taken a back seat. He just re- completely refuses to stand up to Biden and to. Um, ask that the Democratic Party actually keep Arizona safe and secure um, and make changes. And so it's not a surprise that you see crime on the rise the way we do across the state. Um, and that's just one issue, right? And this is something that's certainly going to, I think, drive people to the polls. It's going to drive them to support Blake Masters because he's a turnaround candidate. He wants to put safety and security for our communities first and foremost. He wants to get the border under control. He wants to stop the flow of illegal immigration and illicit drugs that are killing our families and and frankly tearing our communities apart. Um, And that, like I said, that's just one issue. That's not even the issue of inflation. John, you know this best. Phoenix has the highest uh, per capita inflation rate in the country. Right. and when you look at that you just know that things have to change they have to change and so um that's really why we were excited to support and fully endorse Blake Masters to take on um Senator Mark Kelly in this Senate race not only is Arizona a majority maker when you look at the states that are needed for conservatives to take back a majority in the Senate Arizona is a huge part of that it makes a it makes the majority possible but the candidacy itself and everything that Blake stands for versus everything that Kelly stands for we're on the side of supporting families businesses safety cutting inflation all of these things that are that are top of mind um, and that's why the Sentinel Action Fund came out with its endorsement. We've spent $5 million, uh, in support of Blake Masters already. We're up on TV now with another million in spending. And we hope to announce even more soon, almost every day, because I think people are returning. Uh, people are coming back to this race. They're realizing how close it is. And they're realizing just how bad the situation in Arizona is. And that's why we need a turnaround.
0: Yeah. And the polls um, locally, just Arizona state polls this year, especially have been abysmal, just terrible. And not talking about who's up, who's down, but just very infrequent, poor methodology, very small sample sizes, not, um, you know, sample sizes have almost all until very recently just been registered voters or not even that, just Arizonans. Yeah. And, um, And they're just like coming months apart. And these are the public polls. So I've always thought this would tighten up because uh, Mark Kelly was leading for quite a while. Now that Blake Masters name recognition is coming up, I think that alone is helping. And also, too, just the Kelly campaign. It's really bizarre. I don't watch a whole bunch of TV, but anytime I'm on a YouTube video, every ad is abortion. Abortion's great. Abortion's awesome. Blake Masters is extreme because he doesn't think you should be able to have abortion at the last hour of a, of the third trimester kind of a thing. So mm. it just seems really out of touch because when I chat with my friends, my neighbors, the things we're talking about, it isn't politics. It's about gas prices. It's about grocery prices. It's about those kind of kitchen table issues. And the Democrats are just hiding from that completely, especially Mark Kelly.
1: Yeah. There's a couple things going on here that I think are worth unpacking. Um, Certainly for for voters, but also just like the national trendline stories of this election. The Democratic Party has spent over 70 million dollars in support of Mark Kelly, and he can't break 50 percent on the polls. Right. So, you know, I think they I think they thought this was going to be a lot easier than it actually is. You can't buy Senate seats. Right. You can pour all the money in the world. But if the voters don't want it, it's just not going to happen. And and the truth of the matter is, Arizona is a red state. Look at what your amazing uh, state capital just was able to get accomplished this year for school choice. They passed right. one of the most expansive school choice policies in the entire nation. Over a million kids now in K through twelve schools are going to be eligible for the state's um, ESA programs. These are the uh, they're called empowerment scholarship applications, and this allows that regardless of where, regardless of your background your your you know socioeconomic background where you live in the state you're going to be able to to send your kids to any education institution of of their choice you can't tell me that those parents that showed up to support a big school choice bill like that are going to keep sending mark kelly to washington dc to, to represent them it's just it's just not going to happen and so i think the tide of the state um, is one that needs to get their federal representation much more in line with the values um, and the issues that matter to to parents and to to the general voters all across the state of Arizona, and that's why I think you're going to see. I think the polls are going to catch up. I think you're right uh, about that. You're going to see Mark Kelly continue to drop. It gets tighter and tighter, and ultimately, I think Blake Masters is going to win, and he's going to be the next senator from Arizona. Uh, and he's going to turn the state around.
0: And what's really, what's really strange, being a local looking at these races, because you have Mark Kelly, who's hid from voters the two years he's been in office, and just uh, tries to lock himself in Washington D.C., not comment on any issues. Mention every once in a while on Twitter that he used to be an astronaut, which is apparently very important to Senate representation. <laughs> and then on in the gubernatorial race, you have Carrie Lake, who's making news all the time. Yep. And she's just out there talking to people and yep. people keep bashing her. And barely anybody even knows who's the Democrat running against her. It's the current secretary of state, Katie Hobbs, um, who has just completely gone radio silent. She will not yeah. debate Carrie Lake. She wouldn't debate her Democratic primary opponent. She just i both these candidates think they can just hide when this country's dealing with serious issues and I don't care which side of the fence you're on.
1: Yeah, it's so crazy because it's like politicians, they get the free pass to hide, right? Biden hid in his basement however many days during the campaign campaign trail. But like, look, the American people, we don't have the ability to hide. We can't hide from inflation or gas prices or our kids' schools or the border crisis. We're in the middle of it. We're dealing with it every single day. And the fact that these politicians refuse to face the facts and they absolutely refuse to fight for the issues we care about, It's a disgrace and it's a disservice to what has made America great. And so the truth of the matter is Carrie Lake, she's running a fantastic campaign. She's out with the people. She's talking to voters. She's in family rooms. She's in kitchen diners. I mean, she is doing exactly what she needs to do to say, let's continue to keep a a conservative governor at the state capitol. And Blake Masters, I believe, will do the exact same thing to represent Arizona and so much better Uh, than Mark Kelly has, which I don't even know what he's done that he can be proud of, right? I mean, I'm so glad he went to space. Thank you for your astronaut service. That's awesome. But what have you done for the state of Arizona? And the answer is nothing.
0: Right, right. Absolutely nothing. And a lot of local people, I'm not the only one, but I was going to start Kirsten Sinema bulking on Build Back Better and things like that. She was taking one for the team to attempt to help Mark Kelly. He was up for re-election this year. He would not comment on it. People kept asking about it. He wouldn't return reporters' phone calls. He was just hiding behind her uh, apron, just saying, please don't ask me any questions. Let her take the hit, which is just really pathetic. You know, you're one of two representatives in Washington representing the whole state. Get out there and state your opinion and, you know, let people agree or disagree, but he is just terrified to interact with any voters at all.
1: I mean he won't even come out and say where he is on school choice. You have this right. killer bill that just passes and he's completely silent. And so it's just, you know, it, it's just more of the same when you look at and when you look at him and you look at his voting record and you look at what he stands for. He doesn't represent Arizonans. And that's honestly, I think Blake is Blake Masters is a breath of fresh air. I think he's coming in and he's saying, I'm going to be serious about the border. I'm going to use my power as a senator. And honestly, you know, we've been we've been talking a lot about this Um uh, a lot about this during the day, but there's so much power that one senator can have. Look how Senator Manchin just drove the debates around reconciliation and all the spending bills this year, the Build Back Better bill. Imagine if you had Mark Kelly holding up spending bills to secure the border. Blake Masters will do that. He will use the ability of his vote to drive an agenda that puts Arizonans first. And that's something that Mark Kelly refuses to do.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, Arizona is kind of a strange state. I've had to explain to out-of-state folks a lot because for the past, I don't know, 20 years, we've been considered pretty much a a red state until the past couple of years. But uh, growing up here, it's always been, I would say, a purple state, but also just very kind of anti-big parties, anti-Washington, D.C., anti-big government. And uh, Mark Kelly, you know, he's not from here. And he's just kind of the go-along-to-get-along kind of guy. I, I think a lot of uh, people, even if they supported Biden, kind of admired Kirsten Cinemas, as just saying, eh, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. And um, I think Blake Masters will be the same way. He will listen to actual voters. He'll actually talk with us and hang out with us on occasion and uh, represent us to the best of his ability instead of just being an, a constant yes man to the Biden machine. Now, looking at the control of the Senate, say Democrats were able to hold on to the majority. What would that spell for the next, would the next two years be as horrible as the past two years? Because I don't know how they can reverse the ship since nobody's on the Democratic side is even uh, seems concerned about what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, the 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 tale of the Senate majority is certainly gonna come down to the math, right? There's four Senate seats that conservatives need to hold, Um, and there's four Senate seats that are pickup opportunities. Arizona is being one of them. Your neighboring state, Nevada, is another one of them. Right? These are these are these have the potential to be big majority-making Senate opportunities. And so, um, my sense is if we Find ourselves in a position where all of the take up opportunities fall short, which I don't think is going to happen. But let's say all four we lose all four, then we're going to be in a situation where the Senate is is a deadlocked. It's a it's a statistical tie, um, and we're going to continue to have Vice President Kamala Harris come in and be the tiebreaker for anything. The key then is that the House hopefully will flip to gop control and then you'll have basically a, a ping pong <laughs> between both chambers and and nothing is going to end up on biden's desk and with a democratic controlled senate i would say that's a very good thing we want to avoid biden pulling out his signatory pen at any point of the next two years uh that's what we want we don't want to see biden being able to sign any more um painstaking or painful legislation like he has uh with the build back better plan from this last year and so um I think, though, the story that I'm most interested in is one of the opposite, which is that we win all four of these take back opportunities. All four of these candidates, including Blake Masters, have a pathway to victory. They can win. um, And there's a lot of really good reasons why we're going to see them win and see them turn things around for their respective states. And then we're going to be in a position where the Senate and the House can actually start getting bills to Biden's desk. He's going to veto them, but let him veto it. I want him to veto all of these bills that put Americans first because then we see everyone every single voter in the country is going to see just how radical just how extreme just how out of touch the biden administration is when they send bills back that support veterans that close the border that protect our families that put kids and parents first said so he's going to send all of those back and all that extremism is going to be on full display for the american people heading into 2024 now Would it be better for the country if Biden woke up tomorrow and realized that he has been doing the wrong thing for 40 plus years? Yes, I pray that that happens every night that he finds uh, that he finds church and is able to turn his decisions around. But short of that. We're going to be in a a, basically a political log jam the next two years where conservatives are going to put bills on his desk. He will veto them. The extremism and the radicalism will be shown. And then 2024 is going to be a landslide like this country has never seen before.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely. And um, here in Arizona, we've had uh, Mark Kelly up by quite a bit. Now it's within the margin of error, which I always expected would happen. I think it's going to keep turning Blake Masters way. You had uh, everybody saying, oh, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin is in trouble. Well, now he's just devastating his opponent. People are saying uh, Fetterman would walk away with Pennsylvania because Dr. Oz isn't a good candidate, but he's getting blasted and his numbers are dropping when it comes to especially crime, which he's not even indifferent to crime. He's an enabler of crime. That's he just right. Look at his record. Open the prisons like crazy. And oh. Nevada, I think, well, I'm not going to say a lock, but I, I think Nevadans are really tired of uh, <laughs> what the yeah. Democrats have been doing to their state. So I, I think there is great upside, great potential, as you're saying, for all these people to win.
1: I do, too. And, and you know, when you look at I spend a lot of my a lot of my days um, actually on the road talking to voters, um, working with the funds, partner organization, Heritage Action. We have two million grassroots activists across the country that are part of our network. And I meet with these families. I talk to these parents and they are tired of the direction that this country is going. They want the days of Trump back. And they are eager for the country to be turned around. They don't understand how quickly we could lose so much so quickly. I mean, that's the thing. Five years ago, the country was in such a different position. We had just passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. You had this flood of money coming back into people's pockets. Crime was under control in major cities. You could ride the subway in New York City. You can't even do that now. I mean, what in the world is going on in New York? Every single week, I see a new video of someone getting beaten up in a New York City. Why don't they just put a cop at every station? I mean, the the mayor is refusing to get crime under control. I mean, this is these are not look, these are not hard policy solutions. Democrats are enabling these problems. They're allowing our cities to be torn apart. And, And the reason is because it puts people more dependent on government. And then they come back to government to solve their problems instead of empowering the individual, empowering self-governance, allowing families to flourish and civil society to come back. That's the only way we're going to turn around our country. And it starts with getting our politics back in line with the American people, electing the right people to go to Washington to fight. Like Masters will do that. He will be a turnaround candidate for the state of Arizona. And there's a lot to be excited about for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate uh, you guys helping out, Senator Action Fund and Heritage Action for America. And in the past, it, it seems like Heritage is really pivoting um, to the grassroots, which is great to see, because before, you know, I, I was around. Well, I was very young. The first time I could vote was for George w, or George H.W. Bush. But still, I remember Heritage being kind of the stable, old guard, traditional, Um, Republicans. And uh, now it seems like under Kevin Roberts and with different people, they are really getting out the grassroots, mixing up with the American people, because I think a lot of times in the Beltway, and I worked for a state think tank called the Goldwater Institute, but you can get in such rarefied air, especially in the (laughs) Beltway, where you just don't really understand what's going on. And you think the most important thing going on in the country is, I don't know, a half percent change in a certain tariff with Ecuador. (laughs) And uh, it's great to see you guys out there swinging and uh, speaking, speaking for the truth. You know, you still believe in the exact same principles, but just really working with the American people and chatting with them and saying, hey, here's what people are actually talking about. Why don't we uh, push these messages forward?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the encouragement, because I think more and more and more you're seeing voters take on an active role in politics. It's not just that they vote and then they go home. They're talking about the issues. They're engaged. They're going to school board meetings. They're showing up at rallies. They're lobbying their state lawmakers. They're coming to Washington to petition their grievances, right? It's like the right has caught up to the left when it comes to activism. And that's why Heritage Action was founded in 2010 at the height of the Defund Obamacare effort. Mm -hmm. We helped push that in a major way pushing back against the Obama agenda and building a grassroots infrastructure across the country. And so it was only natural this year for Heritage Action to create as a partner organization, the Sentinel Action Fund, which can harness all that energy on the grassroots side and then start driving it in these elections so that candidates like Blake Masters actually feel the support of the grassroots in the state um, so that Carrie Lake feels the support of the grassroots in the state. Uh, in a way that hopefully then propels them into office. And then they've got the playbook of they know what to do. Blake Masters knows the first 10 votes he needs to take are going to protect the border, get inflation under control, secure crime, secure safety and security in our neighborhoods, um, unlock American energy exploration. I mean, these are all things that he's campaigning on that he'll have a playbook and really a mandate from the grassroots, from Arizonans to get done here in Washington.
0: Yeah, that's just fantastic. And it, it's a, it seems like a good deal, too, if you can get a person who, um, it's just, if you're talking with the voters all the time and you're making yourself um, responsive to them, you're not going to go full beltway. And obviously, there's lots of awesome people in the beltway. But I've seen some people who I used to read a lot, I used to like a lot, politicians sometimes who just kind of go native and just become part of the the Borg that <laughs> happens yeah. out there. And if you have someone, especially a younger guy like Blake Masters, who can be there for a long time, and yes. uh, just constantly keeping in touch with voters, I think it's just a a great principle, a great democratic, small D principle, to yeah. have people actually representing their voters instead of whatever caucus they're beholden to in uh, on Capitol Hill.
1: Yeah, and how great! Last point I'll make: last, how great that both Blake Masters and Carrie Lake are not lifelong politicians. I right. mean, can you just get an amen for that? They they are normal people that worked hard. You know, Carrie has a great story of, of her news media background, getting frustrated with the liberal spin, walking away from it all to run. Blake Masters worked hard, Um, on the tech startup front, innovative, unlocking American innovation, leaves it all behind to run. I mean, these are the type of people that can serve well because they're not just chasing higher office, higher office, higher office. And so can we just get a thank you for Arizona for putting forward two great candidates that are not lifelong politicians? That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it is a breath of fresh air to be sure. Well, Jessica Anderson, where can we find out more information about you, about Sentinel Action Fund and Heritage Action for America? Awesome. Well, check us out online,
1: follow us on Twitter, all of our ads and 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 all of our work supporting Blake Masters, you can find it at Sentinelactionfund.com. And then, if you want to join our grassroots network and get involved in our activism at the state or the federal level, check us out at heritageaction.com. And we'd love to be involved with everyone in the state. And thank you so much for having me, John, and for shedding light on this all too important race.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for being on. Really appreciate it. And thank you for being involved, too, <laughs> talking about yeah. the kitchen table issues That's that are right. driving me and my family a little crazy now as <laughs> we go <laughs> shopping each week. That's right. That's all right. Thanks so much. Thank you. As you know, I'm a bit of a hipster, you can say, and I am really into music and growing up for some reason. Well, my dad played guitar and then at least half of all my friends have always been musicians. So especially when I got older, they would need new equipment or just wanted to drool over the latest guitar pedal or something. We went into some pretty sketchy places. Um, Yeah, a lot of pawn shops, a lot of digging around, a lot of being sold things that did not crack out the way that they thought it would. Thankfully, there's a new way you can buy these items, and it's called American Musical Supply. They are located at AmericanMusical.com. American Musical Supply stocks the latest and greatest gear from today's top brands, everything for a beginner to a seasoned professional. And this doesn't only mean music and instruments, folks. It's everything for the podcaster, home recording enthusiast, guitarists, drummers, vocalists, DJs, and much more. Even bassists, if you can believe it. And yeah, I've dabbled a bit in bass and drums and all those kind of things. American Musical Supply has the best payment plans. They approve more people and don't require you to open up a new credit card. You can just use one of your existing ones if you want. Payment plans vary between four and 18 months. You're pre-approved on their four and six-month payment plans with no credit check, which is really nice, especially because um, your equipment fails right when you need it, usually, Um, and that applies to musicians as well as podcasters like yourself. It's always five minutes before air, and you need help ASAP. An American Musical Supply has your back on that. They have four warehouses across the U.S., so that way they can provide fast and free shipping wherever you're located. They keep the best top gear in each warehouse and can get to most of the U.S. in one or two days. That is crucial, by the way. Uh, I'll often buy something offline and find out the company's based in Maine, and then I watch it slowly crawl across the country for 10 days straight, uh, checking out UPS tracking or something. Um, American Musical Supply also has... 30 years, more than 30 years of award-winning customer service. So right now, go to AmericanMusical.com and use the King of Stuff promo code KING to receive $20 off your next purchase over 100 bucks. Once again, AmericanMusical.com, use our promo code KING to receive 20 bucks off your next purchase of over $100. Um, good luck limiting yourself to 100 by the way. Just cruise around the site drool a little bit, just like I used to do with my little uh, musician buddies when I was in college and uh, tragically up to the present day. Thanks very much to American Musical Supply for sponsoring the King of Stuff podcast. Check them out, people. Yeah, I think I mentioned it in the podcast and I've heard this from people in other states as well. The Democrats only message is basically, we like abortion. It's neat. That's like all they're talking about. It's just crazy to me. Um, I can understand some people being motivated by that, um, but probably about 50% on each side. Pro-life people are pretty serious about the issue. And uh, I don't know if they think that will carry the day saying how much they like abortion, when every time you go to the grocery store, it costs a bit more and gas prices are once again rising, which Biden, of course, doesn't take credit for. He only took credit when it dropped a bit over the past couple months. So it'll be interesting to see. I, um, I'm i terrible at predictions, but I think things are trending in the right direction in Ohio. Even in Georgia, Herschel Walker, he had a little bit of a dust up early this week. I think on Monday it happened. But there are allegations um, not proven, as far as I can tell, that he paid a woman many years ago to have an abortion. And then he has a child out of wedlock, and he's been involved in that child's life. And The child was blasting him on Twitter, even though the child has campaigned for him recently. So I don't know exactly what's going on. I think it's weird that the left is so excited by this. It's about time we finally heard from Democrats. This is the first uh, abortion they've ever opposed, I think, in world history. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, from the Georgia voters perspective, who knew he had a pretty um, difficult past when it comes to uh, relations with the other gender let's just put it that way. Um, But rumors and ads and everything have been circulating for about a year on all that stuff, including this latest story. So I, I don't know. I don't think it'll change the fundamentals of the race much. And I don't understand someone saying, I am against abortion, so I'm not going to support Herschel Walker, but instead we'll support the Democrat who wants the government to pay for everybody to have abortions as much as possible. I don't know. It it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, Morning Joe tweeted uh, today. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Hmm. Are American voters, are, are they more interested in kitchen table issues like economics and gas prices instead of these theoretical issues we're talking about? It's like you guys are just figuring this out. It's a month till the midterms, folks. Of course, that's what voters vote on. But Peter Thiel, I guess the numbers are looking so good in Ohio that he is pulling back his money. From supporting J.D. Vance instead, he's pumping money into Arizona, just like uh, Jessica's organization is as well. Um, It'll be interesting to watch. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. Um, Oz is tightening things up in Pennsylvania. I think Nevada is looking very good for Republicans. They've had a massive outflow of um, Hispanic voters who have decided to move over to the Republican candidate there, Laxalt which is a pretty famous name there in Nevada. I've actually heard that registration is booming for the GOP in Las Vegas in that area, which tends to be a union stronghold. So kind of interesting. It'll be interesting to watch, but we will see what happens. I'm not making any predictions because I'm not very good at those. Other things in the news, uh, Ron DeSantis is still uh, running around Florida, fixing things up. Uh, something like 90 something percent of people already have their power back the people who lost their power so good for him on that i think it took at least a month after hurricane sandy to get the power back to people um, around new york city and environs so uh good for him the media has just been so weird about this it's like they're rooting for the hurricane at the beginning and now they're rooting for him to fail in florida and they keep coming up with stories that are so strange Just like, well, why didn't you demand such and such county evacuate? He's like, it was not in the probability cone until like the last second. Um, I noticed none of the press thought it would hit there. And now all of a sudden they're trying to hit him for it. And then there was this semi-viral thing, which reminded me of almost the Mitt Romney binders thing, which just made no sense. In this one, he was wearing these big boots that were white. And that was bad. I, I don't know they are really grasping at straws, but uh, to his credit, Joe Biden and Jill went down to Florida, finally visiting there. They visited Puerto Rico a little while ago, where Joe said he was basically raised in the Puerto Rican community, the massive uh, Latin quarter of Scranton, PA, I presume. But he said Ron DeSantis is doing a great job. He then blamed everything on global warming, but still, you know, it's good to see him work together on this stuff. This is This is where politics can uh, be set aside a little bit and competence needs to rise to the fore. And basically all the national government can do in these situations is declaring emergency, helping out financially if needed, you know, clearing any hurdles uh, that uh, D.C. might come up with. So um, Ron DeSantis has passed this with flying colors. I think everybody pretty much expected him to pass with flying colors because this is what he does. He's just a competent guy. He's not... As much as he makes news, he's not a showboat. I saw him speak once when I was in Orlando, and it's just factual. It's just like, here is information. Here's the problems. Here's what I've done to fix them. Here's what I'm going to do in the future. It was just, it was just competence, and it was very uh, refreshing to see that instead of all the drama you see in politics these days. Biden's visit to Florida might have gone well. Um, his visit a couple months back to Saudi Arabia did not go well had the fist bump which sent liberals into a tizzy he fist bumped the Saudi leader and said please 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 pump more oil Uh, OPEC just uh, mentioned today apparently there's a lot of arm twisting of all the various partners that make up OPEC Biden administration has just been pushing it as much as they complain about climate change they want a lot of oil as long as it's not drilled here it must be imported halfway around the world then they're in favor of it oil here no can't use that that's off limits. But um, after this huge diplomatic behind the scenes push and some of it in public, OPEC decided, you know what, we're going to shut down um, a lot of our uh, oil exports. Um, instead of increasing the pumping that we're doing, we're going to cut it by three million barrels. So um, egg on his face. And this one, he has not made many friends among uh, various Middle Eastern countries, especially as he is relentlessly courted Iran, who well, most of these OPEC countries oppose. Not very bright. I, I really don't know what he's thinking. He should have been thinking that maybe the midterms are coming up and uh, I should tack with the winds a little bit. Nope, he didn't want to do that. I think once again, and I might have mentioned this on here before, an article I wrote for the local people, the Arizona Republic here. Um, what we're seeing and with all of his gaff, seeing he grew up in the Puerto Rican community, looking around for that poor representative who died a month earlier, looking around for her at a public event. I For a while, I was thinking, you know what? Who's running the show here? After about six months in, I'm like, oh, I don't think anybody's running the show. Now I've settled on just a new paradigm to view this through. We're not dealing with a Biden presidency. We're dealing with a Biden regency. And a little history lesson. I also noticed everything I write has these major historical digressions. So forgive me, but I'm kind of a history nerd about this stuff. But back in the oldie days, medieval times think, they had something called the Regency. So there was a succession crisis for the King of England, and they would put a seven-year-old boy on the throne. They would say, oh, well, it's not a problem because all of these advisors that we've gathered up here they're going to be running things. It's like, we are the Regency. We're actually going to be doing the day-to-day stuff. And once he becomes an adult, then he will take over. Now, a lot of times this was done very cynically because, I don't know, maybe there was someone more competent for the throne now. And the advisors think, actually, we could run things for about a decade. Why don't we take over and put this kid on the throne? But you also had it come up. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie, The Madness of King George III. Um most famous for losing the colonies in America. But he lost his mind. And there's a lot of theories of what exactly happened. Lost his mind for a while and uh, then recovered a bit and then lost it for good. And it went on several years. So what you had was a regency. These royal advisors took over. Um, The um, heir at the time was kind of a dissolute wastrel, kind of like uh, an old-timey version of uh, Prince Harry, I could say, I don't know if there's a Meghan Markle involved, but the advisors ran the show. They ran um, the royal office for quite a while until George III passed away. What makes the Biden regency a bit different is they knew that he was incompetent before he got elected. They knew it. And they thought, huh, I think we should run things for a while. So you have this like murderer's row of inside knife fighters and skullduggery and people who have been in the beltway for decades. Ron Klain is chief of staff. Susan Rice, who's now in charge of domestic policy, um, hand in glove with Barack Obama. Anita Dunn, who's just one of the creepiest individuals I've ever known. Just all sorts of these people. They're the ones running the show and they don't all agree. They're all trying to get their own things done. and That's why you have bizarre situations where they're trying to push this Iran nuclear deal At the same time, they're trying to win over anti-Iranian countries to pump oil and they're condemning the Iranian government for attacking female protesters who are protesting the hijab mandate. So if you wonder why everything's going to hell, um, basically it's rule by committee. Everything's being decided kind of by a committee. Everybody's doing kind of their own things. There's all these rumors about will he or won't he? Will Biden run again in 2024? Um, Again, I'm not good at predictions, but I don't see how he does. He's claiming that he will, but we're seeing him dissolve in front of our eyes here. And uh, I I don't say this with any uh, joy. You know, people will laugh about his latest thing, but it's pretty scary when they're talking about the threat of nuclear war with Putin. And we got a dude who can't string a sentence together. When the chips are down, uh, who's going to be there taking not only the 3 a.m. phone call at the 3 p.m. phone call. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be one of his advisors? Are they going to bicker over what action to take? It's just very odd. But having had a family experience with things like dementia and Alzheimer's, this does not improve. This does not get better. He's not a year from now, Ooh, look how energetic and sharp he is again. It's a decline, and it will continue declining. That's why he never should have been nominated nor elected president, um, and he, I really don't see how he could run for re-election, um, and there's no one on the bench who's strong enough to unite the party, and that's why Biden got pushed into that role. Look, we smart people. will be running things behind the scenes. He will be the cipher who everybody can kind of sort of tolerate. Kamala Harris, no one likes her, in the party or out of the party. She should be the heir apparent, um, and maybe it'll help if she takes over before Joe Biden's first term is over with. Um, Maybe that'll put her in a stronger position to actually stay in that office. I can't imagine her doing better than uh, Joe Biden has done. She seems incredibly incompetent. Maybe the Regency will continue um, running the day-to-day for her and screwed up as badly as they have for Biden Uh, Pete Buttigieg keeps popping up everywhere. Again, not an impressive dude. He just sounds like this weird middle management consultant type who just bloviates about crap without knowing what he's talking about. He's like a human PowerPoint, Pete Buttigieg. So I don't see him uh, sparking any fires under people's rear ends. Gavin Newsom is trying to take over, but um, he skews people out. I'm sorry. And a lot of Democrats will support him. Uh, I think he has a better chance than the other two, but... He's so nakedly ambitious. I bet a lot of Democrats are nervous. Up and coming Democrats saying, "Uh uh-oh, we don't want to unleash this guy. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the heck the Democrats do. I think on the GOP side, there's a lot of people who seem to be running. Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley and Mike Pence. And I think it's really between Trump and DeSantis now. Um, I definitely would lean towards DeSantis because I'd like a president who's uh, not 300 years old. And someone without all the drawbacks, all the annoyance that Trump seems to spark in many people. And also, if you got Trump back in there, he could only serve for four more years. And he's going to be two years older. He's he's younger than Biden, but man, not by much, just by a couple of years. So you would have a president who could only serve one term. Get DeSantis in there. We need some Gen X leadership, baby. That's my generation. Um, Boomer's got to uh, hand over the keys at some point. Already, And I think a lot of people in America, uh, regardless of party, are thinking that it's like, why are our leaders all like 80 years old? Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell. It's like all of them are so old and we need a little bit of diversity here. Um, You can have one old person running the show. Everybody else, let's uh, get a little young blood in there. Uh, We got a lot of serious stuff going on. Uh, This shouldn't just be the farewell tour like the Rolling Stones going out when they're all like 80 years old, doing their last tour, and then a year later they do another last tour to get the maximum dough out of it, um, need some need some young band members to step up to the fore. Now the all-important song of the week. This comes from a frequent guest, Kurt Schlichter, um, famed author of many uh, fiction and nonfiction books as well, but uh, he passed something off to me. We have the same love of kind of this... 80s post-punk vibe and i loved it it's this black shady blurry image of a goth on a surfboard and it's called surf goth but the guy who uh, does it the musician he's just this basement musician from australia melbourne i think desmond doom is his name and the song is called i hope i never see your face again I just love this music, and I've been listening to this entire EP on repeat for several days now. So I had to put it as the song of the week. Thanks again to Jessica Anderson for being on the show. Thanks again to American Musical Supply. Check them out. And thanks to you for listening. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review. That helps the podcast grow and grow and grow. And we'll talk to you next week.